there is a thirst out there for people to to actually um, experience the the the, the 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 fate is something which uh, is vital to our existence, which gives purpose to our life. And so the privilege of sharing that, of seeing people impacted by the faith, uh, helping people, uh, introducing them to prayer, the word of God, uh, to find a place where they can grow with others, which is a community. I think those keep me going because it, 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 it's, it's, also a, it's also a blessing to see that happening in other people's lives. And when you see that fruit, then obviously it gives you courage to keep on going. Selmelkom on the Akomal episode you hear Amel Shaja Sabeha, the mistaken talum or mistaken vera vicin tal alp ti personalment ash ene hafna miena un nikber u nimshi mal molei u kol nistan seyahlo yisutin misir u kol ash vera tane hafna pariri. U eni biex neħles u nimxi lej-direzzjoni t-tajba għaxuwa l-spiritual director tijaj u taħafna min komentom iz-zaza li fursi għattisimaw għanka din il-podcast u għanna maħna l-Lendru Konsilio. Hi, Ant, thank you. Oh, look. Here we are in his office. We are in the space where he guides a lot of youths. Thank you so much for making time um, to be part of this mission that me and Maria have started. Um, tell us a bit about yourself, Andrew. So, like your, your past, a bit okay. of your past. As well, if you want to buy my past, I am 54 years old. So that uh, really tells you a lot that I'm... Well, not yet a dinosaur, but uh, <laughs> getting there. Um, well, basically, uh, is if you ask me about my uh, studies, I studied law. Um, so I graduated in, in law in 1990, uh, 89-90. And, uh, and then afterwards, rather than practice law, I do what I do today uh, as a full-timer from 1990 on. So uh, rather than pursue my career in law, I actually um, do this uh, full-time. Well, a couple of years ago, I also had the privilege of studying um, and getting a master's in pastoral studies, pastoral theology, which was a distance learning. So it helped me consolidate the experience I gained throughout the years of mm-hmm. um, accompanying people in their journey um, and also leading the community. So that's a bit about my academic... Uh, um, and Your hobbies. My hobbies. My hobbies is... Um, there's much time for many of them, but I love video editing. I love taking videos and uh, photos as a hobby, actually. But uh, I take it seriously, so I've got a couple of good cameras and uh, good uh, equipment on which to edit. And so I find it very, very relaxing. Of course, this is besides reading, and uh, I like to travel when I can, and I like swimming. 
Yeah, you love traveling, eh? Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned a lot of stories about your vacations, and you also get some episodes from the vacation, and you use them... To illustrate a point. To make a point and to <laughs> minister through those experiences. And if you had to go anywhere now on a vacation, where would you choose to go now? Maybe I'll go back to Israel. <laughs> well, no, I always have to exclude Israel. Israel is always on the, on the list because obviously I go practically every year. But somewhere I've been wishing to go before it becomes anything different to, it, to what it is today. So I'd like to go to Cuba, actually. Oh, wow. And, and, Why? Uh, I don't know. It just catches my, my attention is the cars. And uh, yeah. just, well, I like that type of... Uh, when I went to Brazil a couple of years ago, I, I, I like the... the, the, the the atmosphere of the, yes. South, of the South American. Uh, so, yeah. It's I think, true. I like to go and, to Kuzma, but uh, uh -huh. it won't happen for now. And uh, um, Thomas and Ruth have just been there. Exactly. And they, it's true, I know, probably <laughs> you saw their photos. Exactly. Because it I, is I a beautiful... They actually send me photos when they were there. So they did. Amazing. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any childhood heroes when you were growing up? Um, to be very truthful, I didn't have any particular childhood hero. As a kid, I obviously used to read you know, the Blighton books and the Famous Five, and those were sort of sort of heroes, but um, you think that you're going to get into adventures like them. And then we saw our fair share of TV, and I would say maybe more of a favourite programme, which uh, most people haven't heard of. It was called Space 1999. And uh, my brother and I used to just love watching this uh, this um, uh, this series, which was basically about the the this, uh, the adventures of people on board on 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 a on the moon, which gets um, uh, which loses the Earth's orbit and goes out in outer space, and obviously all these adventures. So, yeah, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine was a favorite TV program, but no particular favorite hero. Okay, cool. And from school, back in the days when you were a student. Um, was there any favorite teacher and did they, in a way, impact your okay, life? Okay, again, I would say that maybe favorite teacher, I wouldn't even say it was a favorite teacher, but one episode which really left a mark in my life, and I say this, and probably he doesn't know, but when we were about Form 4, I mean, that's not that spirituality um, features much in your life. I mean, God was always there in my life somewhere, but... Uh, as a teenager, there are other things to be interested in and rather than focusing on your fate. But I remember um, it was just before the Christmas holidays and our maths teacher, maths teacher, not religion teacher, maths teacher, at the end of uh, the, the last lesson of maths we had before we stopped the Christmas holidays, but those lessons tend to be a bit less you know, intense and they, you, know, you tend to sort of like, this is the last day of school. And uh, I remember he, he, told, he told us this, he said, boys, I hope that you, in your life, find God and you will find somebody to guide you to him. I found my guiding star. It was my girlfriend. And that's what he said. And I remember it left an impact on me that the maths teacher would speak about God. Had the religion teacher spoken about God or had the priest spoken about God, I just said, okay, don't you, you know, it's obvious. But for the maths teacher to speak about God left an impact on my life That's at so that age. So, well, Amazing. no favorite teacher, but I can tell that story yeah. which remained with me. 
Yes, and it makes quite sense because someone, how you said, if it was the religion teacher. Exactly, then you expect it. Exactly, amazing. Um, uh, can you you have like share maybe with us your earliest memories from going to church? Like I remember being forced to church with my grandma and stuff. Do you have any like memories of like something that made could have like left an impact on you? I I, I mean, well, on the funny side. Mm. Uh, I remember that in this time, we mummy used to take us to the good, to the Easter functions, and on Good Friday it was very different to what it was today. You'd have to there was a part where you'd have to sit down, kneel and stand up, and kneel and stand up, and kneel and stand up after a series of prayers, and they used to sing it. And I remember we used to find it so funny, my brother and I, that we used to obviously the competition was that I used to make him laugh. Mummy used to get angry at me. Um, so but that's not a very another very spiritual thing about my my experience in church. I wouldn't say again that um, church itself, but maybe the fact that I went to a Jesuit school that did leave uh, an effect in my life as well. Again, I, I wouldn't say that it 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 um, was det- determining, but uh, I would say that my relationship with church would be more what I experienced in, in at school rather than in my parish. Okay, interesting. Um, we're going to quote, you love quoting, obviously, <laughs> scriptures. scriptures. And we're going to quote uh, Prever- Pro- from Proverbs chapter 16. In their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Did you ever imagine that you will be serving the Lord in this way, in a community starting a community no no i wouldn't think so i i think you know when i was young um uh, i used to like arguing and speaking and so my uh, my parents and my aunts and uncles would always say no you should be a lawyer you should become a lawyer so it was quite sort of like natural for me to sort of like point towards um becoming a lawyer um uh, and studying law However, what 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 changed was when I was just began just before I began university. I had my my encounter. I would say my moment of encounter with with the Lord in my heart, where my faith became much much more alive than it was before. And uh, and even though um, uh, I was at university by second year, third year, I was really quite convinced I wouldn't be pursuing a career in law. So it wasn't so surprising. Did I expect to? lead a community and for it to become an organization it is today. No, that not at all. I mean, I think maybe it would have been more like Jonah. Had I known, I would have run away. Um, but uh, at the same time, God takes you step by step. He doesn't show you the whole story, the whole picture. And so I would say that certain steps, yes, it took it took uh, some, some decisions and some things going against the current because everyone expected me to work as a, as a lawyer, at least as a notary after graduating. But having, had, having already started youth fellowship uh, before when I was still at university and it was becoming more and more uh, something close to my heart, something that I was finding that I could really um, help people, then it wasn't so difficult for me to actually decide to give my life to doing it rather than actually pursuing a career in law. Mm. But I wouldn't have expected it, no. And how did it start? And uh, how do you? What What is the fuel that keeps you going and not giving it up okay. all? Because 
Man, it's quite a lot of pressure and... I guess it started because I was brought up in a, in a, and many people say, but I was brought up in a traditional Catholic family. My mother was very devout and I owe a lot of my formation in my, in my younger years to her. My father was a bit less, but um, I think that I hadn't made the connection with the Lord directly. Um, and so when in 1982, as a young man, I was passing through a difficult time, I mean, now looking back, it wasn't so tragic, but when you're in it as a, as a, as a young person, it seems to be. Um, and I was introduced to a way of prayer, which seemed to be much, much more uh, personal and much more, not private, huh? personal doesn't mean private. Um, then... I can say that I encountered the Lord in a more profound way. It's like someone opened my eyes. So the, the, the truths were just not in only in my mind, but they were experienced in my heart. And what were the two truths which really changed me? That God is love and God is truth. Both were very, um, they impacted my life. So then after that, it was a matter of strengthening and deepening my faith and my relationship with God, with all the struggles, with all the ups and downs, with all the difficulties that entailed, but also a great thirst to share it. And in a sense, I didn't set up because I want to start a group. I just set out to saying, I really want to share this. It's a, the way it happened was, it started as a youth group, and anyway, then it developed into, into, into more sub-teams, etc. So at the end of the day, I didn't set up to, I didn't start out, with wanting to do this, but with wanting to share the the, the the good news as I experienced it and as it was being taught with it, it was being taught within the church. It's a bit like a light bulb coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it wasn't always easy in these thirty plus years, but what kept me going, I think, is one the commitment I made to the Lord. You know, when you give a commitment, you keep the commitment. But secondly, I think it's also that there is a thirst. There is a thirst out there for people to, to actually um, experience the the the, the 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 faith is something which uh, is vital to our existence, which gives purpose to our life, mm-hmm. and so the privilege of sharing that, of seeing people impacted by the faith, uh, helping people, uh, introducing them to prayer, the word of God. Uh, to find a place where they can grow with others, which is a community. I think those keep me going because it, 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 it's, it's, also a, it's also a blessing to see that happening in other people's lives. And when you see that fruit, then obviously it gives you courage to keep on going. Mm-hmm. So despite the difficult times, keeping your eyes focused on those things does keep you going. It's true, and I'm a testimony of that <laughs> um, outside. So... Um, why why is it so important a community for me to grow in my faith? Okay, um, I guess that people, even though there's been the loss of community in 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 the in the society at large, but also within the church, it's something that people desire because God created us to be uh, in relationship. We're not created to be alone. We're created to be in relationship, and God also. As I said, the relationship with him is personal, but it's not private. God has always acted within a community, which is we call the church. But even in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, because God knows that it's the way he's created us, because there are other things that are important, it's the way we grow in our faith. And as I always like to say, faith is not only taught, it's actually caught. It is also the mutual sense of encouraging each other, of building each other up, 
of learning from each other, of rubbing shoulders, and then actually having your selfishness exposed, and learning how to how to love even in, in, in challenging circumstances. So community is actually, I think, a need for every human being. Sadly, it's 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 there's a stress in today's world on individualism, mm -hmm. on utilitarianism, that is basically using even people for my benefit. But when you discover community, in, in Greek it would be koinonia, the sharing in common of something, then we do, we, do, we do really grow and we do thrive, not just in our spiritual life, but in our whole human life. Mm -hmm. um, as I like to say, the faith teaches us not only what to believe and how to behave, but where to belong. And belonging, therefore, is an essential part of the journey in the Christian life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, it's beautiful. We and me and Maria, I mean, I met Maria through the community. And mm. um, my intentions in the beginning was to find a good girl that is part of a community. And, uh, and uh, it was... It was a nice experience and the growth happening in the community is amazing how the doors are open to anyone and we are just ready to give love and with no judgment whatsoever. Um, uh, we are in the season of Lent and at the moment and pray, fast and almsgiving are the most key points in this season. Do you have any tips for us how we can stay rooted in him after Easter? And <laughs> I look, I, I think the biggest challenge, especially for people who are taking the faith seriously, is distraction. Um, distraction is because life is fast, and it's, uh, and, and, and it's easy to get distracted from the focus that ought to be there. Um, so I think that prayer is actually a, cor a corrective, because it actually makes us, gets us back into sync. Now, prayer, what I mean, is exposing to a bit of some time alone with God, listening to his word, um, you know, just being with him. So I think prayer definitely is, will always remain the essence. That prayer, not only individual, but also communally, liturgically in the Eucharist, but also when you gather within the community and you, you pray together as well. So prayer will be the essence, essential thing because it's not part of our relationship with God. It is, as the Catechism teaches us, our relationship with God. But of course, um, uh, if, we, if, if we just uh, pray, but we don't also learn how to, how to grow in love, which is basically what almsgiving is, uh, to show mercy, to, to, to reach out, then of course uh, it, it becomes sterile. So basically our prayer makes sense if our contemplation our, our relationship with God is then actually um, uh, worked out in concrete uh, works of mercy and love in concrete ways within our families, you know, with difficult people at work, etc. This is going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so how do I remain rooted in him? I guess that to remain rooted in him, uh, it will all sprout out of the essential of keeping our relationship with God, keeping our prayer uh, as our prime commitment, mm -hmm. and uh, we, you know, I mean, you know what's happening out there, and it's a challenge, as you mentioned. And uh, the church is all of us, you know, all of us that believe in Jesus Christ, that He died and rose again, and He won, you know. So Jesus has won, and He has risen, and uh, but. You, we still are passing through very sad times, you know, and uh, we can say that the church is being purified. However, us as lay people, how can we 
um, be a light in that darkness? Or how can we um, uh, thrive and give the good news? And uh, what, even though that it, there's so much confusion out there, coming also from people that represent the church, or, you know, so how can we always focus and know what's the truth? Um, the most important thing is that we bear witness with our life. And our life is not an example of perfection, but it's an example of keeping the standards of the word of God and by his grace striving towards it. Certainly, Jesus says the road is narrow. And it is true that sometimes there's an attempt to broaden it. Probably it's a genuine attempt to try to show compassion. But we need clarity and charity. We need to speak, as Paul says, the truth in love. To ourselves, first of all. Because I think the mistake that can easily occur is to anyone within the church to speak from a, 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 a stance of superiority. And that's going to put people off. I would rather say that we, whether we are um, lay people, whether we are ordained, I think we, first, our first prime identity is sinners who have been shown mercy. And in baptism have been given a new literally a new identity, a new, we are new creation. But at the same time, we are also to come across as beggars who have found the food and who have tasted that food and who just are trying to help people and show others where the food is. Mm -hmm. We're still beggars. We still need that food given to us like everybody else. It doesn't mean that the food has been created by us. Grace is something that has been given to us. It's not earned. Mm -hmm. now, of course, we have to work out our salvation, as Paul says. In other words, grace must not be received in vain. It needs to be worked out in very real terms. So I would say that um, as lay people, we need to know at the truth, even if, you see, because sometimes people think that we need to adopt, adapt the church's ways and teachings to fit um, today's ways of thinking. But it's not like that. I think the message cannot be changed. The method must be changed. You know, the method has to be upgraded, updated. But the message is not ours to change. The message, which is essentially found in the Word of God and thousands years of church teaching and tradition, etc., etc., mm -hmm. that's not my, um, uh, my prerogative to change it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, um, it has to be, you know, that we need to first of all, preach the truth to ourselves. But whatever truth we choose to, to, to adhere to, it's because God loves us. God loves us. If God is going to tell me something, even which is challenging, it's because he loves me. And because he wants the salvation of my soul. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that and making it more clear. Um, uh, I guess... Um, we know why you are the leader. <laughs> well, I know, but we, the purpose of this, this series is um, uh, as we're finding common um, uh, beggars, which are, 
you know, serving within community. It's called do something beautiful taken from the quote of Mother Teresa, go out there and do something beautiful. Um, small things with great love. And uh, these small things in this case grew, 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 because how many are we in this community? Chenacolo community. About 216, the community itself. But then obviously in the wider community, many more. Probably up to about, uh, let's say, 800, 900, I would say. And that is an amazing number. I mean, we get a lot of speakers from abroad saying, wow, what a blessing this is to... Yes, thank God. <laughs> yeah. uh, something I wish to add, mm -hmm. uh, Luke, is that, of course, even, even we who have, you know, who say that... You know, we, 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 we like beggars telling people where the food is and come, let's eat it. F forget the junk food. It doesn't mean that we are above the temptation of eating the junk food. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a struggle as well, because the Christian journey is a struggle with its ups and its downs. Mm -hmm. uh, but just because there are moments of failure, it doesn't mean, therefore, that we sort of say, okay, well, the junk food has to be the norm. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep on going back to the banquet that the Lord has given us. The, the, that's why in the Eucharist we have the breaking of the table of the Eucharist and the table of the Word, and keep on feeding from it. Because uh, maybe today, unfortunately, the message that's coming through from the Word around us is that man lives on bread alone. But Jesus made it very clear, we heard this at the beginning of Lent, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the heart of God. And thank God for that. <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, we're coming to an end for to this podcast. What is the best thing that happened to you this month? The best thing that happened to me this month, I can't really say. Maybe this past year okay. is... Uh, past two years, rather. Uh, we moved house after um, having to, to, to really move from where we... We lived before, and basically the, the house I'm in now is very conducive to even uh, helping me um, uh, take care of my elderly mother and also keep the ministry going. So I'm very thankful to God for that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because Andrew, ironically, lived in the heart of Pachville. On the doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> On the doorstep. Um, uh, amazing. I know that you love reading. Uh, what is your favorite book and maybe what you're reading now at the moment? Ah, okay. Um, I'm reading the the Hidden God at the moment. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I read a lot, but I don't only read spiritual books. Of course, I I I, I like reading books which speak about the contemporary uh, realities of society. Um, sometimes they are from the perspective of faith, but sometimes they're just written by um, uh, people who obviously have a keen uh, touch of what's happening in, in society, in the world, in the church. Obviously, I also read a variety of, of, of spiritual books, and uh, yeah, that's basically what it is. But I'm, I'm reading all the time, so okay. I probably read five books simultaneously. Um, uh, but you know, it is you sometimes feel like reading a bit of that, and sometimes reading a bit of that. Yeah. So... Um, Amazing. That's about my reading. Um, uh, last thought and some words of encouragement for us. Okay, we're, going to, we're entering Holy Week now. And uh, I think what Holy Week reminds us is that the good news is not about what we do. It starts with what God does. The good news is not that we have tried to reach out to God, but God reached out to us and keeps on reaching out to us. Mm -hmm. That's grace. So we respond. Faith is our response to grace. So um, I think what we need to be sure of is this, that God loves us so much individually that he sent his only son 
that whoever believes in him, as John 3.16 says, will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, to believe is not just a, a mental belief, but it's putting your life in his hands. Mm -hmm. And as an encouragement, something that obviously I need to remind myself as well, is what Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue it until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, yes, the journey has its ups and its downs, it has its seasons, it has its different landscapes, it has its moments of joy, its moments of difficulty, there is suffering, there is uh, all sorts of stuff, because we are not exempt, but we are assured that God's love in Christ Jesus, he who did not spare his son, but gave him up to us, this is what we are celebrating uh, in, the, in, in Passion Week and, the, and, and Easter, um, how much also will him not, with, with him give us all things that we need? And what we need mostly is to remain faithful to the very end and, of course, look forward to the time when we will uh, enjoy the Lord forever in heaven. Amen. <laughs> thank you so much for your faithfulness and commitment. And thank you, God, for the wisdom that is one of his gifts. We all, as guys, we all gossip about your wisdom, gossip, like we say, like Andrew has so much wisdom. Andrew has so much wisdom and uh, the Lord uses you a lot in a very tangible way. And thank you everyone for um, uh, tuning in um, keep on praying for us. And I also would like to remind you about the form that we have on our website where you can nominate anyone which um, is doing something beautiful that we don't know about and uh, we can share their story. Uh, thank you and God bless you.